I'm Marielle Hemingway and my partner, Melissa Yamaguchi. We are here with Outcomes the Sun uh, podcast number eight, I think. And this is Daisy, just in case she whines or does something. That's a dog sitting in my lap. If you're not looking at something, you're just listening to this podcast. Anyway, today, we are just going to have a conversation, uh, Melissa and I, because we, we like to kind of assess what we've been doing and who we've been talking to. And, and actually, we like to we like to talk about what we've been talking about because we speak every single morning and, um, you know, kind of the update in the world and how and how we're seeing it. And, and really, today we were so struck by some young people in our lives, both of us that have really been suffering. And, and, you know, it's like, the question is, what do you do? So Melissa, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, let's talk about what this issue is. I think that kids are suffering right now and they don't know where to turn. Sure. And I, you know, you, as you and I were speaking this morning, I'll share with our, with our audience that we often think of mental challenges and the stressors of life as, as it relates to adulthood, your ta- property taxes, your taxes, your, your, if you're going to get a raise, how your relationship's going, how your kids are doing in school, whatever, whatever the pileup of adulthood is, adulting. And we often <laughs> equate that only to being the, a bigger problem for a, a bigger human, an older human. Right. But what we're missing gravely is the, the gaps of our kids. And they're in segments, right? So it's the it's the teenage years and and college years, which I'll put in with the latter teens, and then we've got our middle school age kids, and then we've got the little ones. Yeah. And what I'm and what I'm finding um, in a lot of the stuff that I'm researching and hearing firsthand from people, and I know you hear just as much, if not more, than I, is that there's there's this feeling of um, we as we've alluded to in a couple of our our podcasts of shame. And, and, and I don't want to burden my parents with what I'm going through and they would be better off without me. And if they don't know where to turn and how to handle these um, suicide ideations, then they will turn to self-medication, whether it's through, yeah. you know, the drinking or the drugs um, right. or some other form of addiction. And so um, I've recently been listening to some podcasts where a, a younger people in our cultural awareness have been coming out and really speaking about the pain that they're going through in their lives and their, and what, how, what they've done, what type of therapy they've used to get them to a, a space of wellness, uh, a space right. of heal of healing or on the road to right. healing. And so I think what's important about this is that younger people, because we are such a social network of awareness, whether it's an influencer or it's a so-called celebrity by way of television, movie or the arts, Right. When we see those people coming forward and saying, I too have an issue. And I realized, as, to quote one young woman, I realized that I was placing the power of happiness in my life in the hands of everybody else, whether it was my family, even though I love them, whether it was my the people who were hiring me for a job or it was a boy, the boyfriend at the time. I was putting yeah. all my happiness in their hands and I realized I was taking away my very own power. And it wasn't until I learned how to put that power back in my own hands. And as I listened to this young gal speak, I realized such an innocent, seemingly simple statement to make that seems like, well, of course, you're going to put the power, you're not going to make it, let everybody else. But it's such an easy thing to do when we're constantly looking for the likes 
on social media and the acceptance and approval, right? So I think that the, this, that really was an important hurdle that I watched this young gal make in her ability to share her willingness to share. And then this morning I saw another young woman speaking about how um, she had been taking Xanax and it wasn't until she got off of Xanax that she thinks that her life was saved because she couldn't stay on top of the thoughts in her head. And right. she ad- admittedly got onto Xanax because it was the thing that was being handed out. And it was the thing that people were doing to lose weight, to look a certain way, to hit, to hit a barometer. And so she had to get off of that to save her life. And as I shared with you, um, I have a dear friend who's a child has been going through horrific pain, PTSD, trauma. And so, um, her her inability to handle it for some reason and I don't know this I'm I'm not the expert here uh, but her inability to handle that somehow clouded her judgment on how she should handle it so she right. she took she's trying to take matters in her own hand however whatever forms of 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 healing she thinks she's she's going to try and none of them are working so it's this well lo- also lo- I think I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, no. I also think that what she's getting is information that is kind of old. Like, I, I think when you go to a emergency room for a mental health problem, they mm-hmm. don't know what to do. So they'll, you know, they'll direct you as best they can, you know, no, no, nothing against yeah. them. But, but I want to go back I want to go back to what you were first talking about the girl who said, I put my happiness in the hands of everybody else. Right. I put, yeah, because welcome to the first 40 years of my life. Everybody else had the power to make me feel a certain way. Right. It was always in everybody else's hands. I was always looking for a doctor, a healer, a guru of this, of that, whatever. Because in my own search, in my life, because mental health was such a big issue, I was so frightened. I was so afraid that I was going to either be an addict, like my mom, dad, and sisters, an addict to alcohol, to drugs, to whatever, or I I was going to wake up with some sort of mental illness and I didn't even know how to handle it. And so I was on a constant search, whether it was through lifestyle choices, literally diets, because I had body dysmorphia and I felt that my body wasn't good enough and stuff like that. And I realized that that was just trauma that was, that I had placed in this inappropriate place, but that's what we often do. We often put it into a place where we can handle it, you know, deal with it. Um, but I was con- going back to that. I was constantly looking for a doctor, healer, somebody to say, here's what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then that led, and you know, this story, and that led me to going to India. I was 45. Jeez. How can that be so long ago now? But anyway, just yesterday. So I went just yesterday. I went to, I went to India and I met his holiness, the Dalai Lama. And I've, and I've told this story before and, you know, and, I was just happy to be there. There's these wonderful, amazing people in the room that were very, very important and, and, and promising people who were, who were, had important questions to, to ask his holiness, the Dalai Lama about like, you know, world peace and stuff. I was just happy to be there, but actually I got to sit 
right down next to his holiness. He sit, he actually, you know, motioned for me to sit next to him in this little armchair in this little room in Dharamsala, India. Anyway, I was just like thrilled to be there, excited that I he, I was asked to sit next to him. And I kept looking at him and smiling and giggling and he would giggle back at me and whatever. And two hours went by. And there's two really important things about about this that are relevant to what you had said, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, number one was watching somebody so at peace with himself mm-hmm. and and in complete acceptance of what is, watching him listen to these people in the room, listen with such intent as though nobody else were in the room except the person who was speaking to him, right? So that was number one. And then number two, which came as as it was about to wrap up. And, you know, I'm like, I'm still excited because he keeps looking at me and laughing and then I giggle. And, And then I started to get up because everybody was going to leave. And he put his hand on my hand and he looked me in the eye. And to this day, it still makes me cry. And he said, you're okay. And I was like, oh. Now, and and it wasn't a psychic moment. He wasn't saying, oh, you know, I see into your future. He was just, he felt the energy of my desperation, my life of looking and searching and looking into the eyes of his holiness. Are you going to give me an answer? Are you going to tell me I'm going to be all right? Are you going to give me the solution to my fear? Um, And I was depressed most of my life and didn't even know it. Anyway, it was that moment of clarity and understanding of him just saying, you're okay, that I realized. And it was an unfolding. It wasn't an aha moment, but it was an unfolding of realizing I was indeed okay. And what I love about that young girl saying, I had to find my own happiness, not put it in the hands of other people. What Mm -hmm. I needed to do was go, oh, wait, all those healers, all those doctors, all those people outside me are not going to define who I am. I have to do that. And I think that that when we get back to kids, there has to be, we have to come up with something where we're educating them on how to handle their feelings and also educating them on the feelings of, I can't handle this life anymore. I don't want to be here. And understanding that that feeling eventually is going to change, right? Yes. Because with a child or a young person, you know, not even a child, you know, maybe a young teenager, whatever, or even a young adult, they don't have the life experience to know that, guess what? probably tomorrow you're not going to feel this way but when you're young you're you're very present which is the good news about being young but you're also you don't have a you don't have a this you know this baggage of experience to say you know what i know this will shift it's it's rough and you know go out for a walk or a run or you know what i'm saying it's like exactly it's it makes me think of when you and i did a talk recently with chase hughes and he talked about the past present and future self and yes. understanding that you have to prioritize the needs of the future self over the whatever you're feeling today. And it's that yes. kind of, it, it's, it's a grown-up version of delayed gratification, right? Put, put off what yes. you think you need today in order to serve the future you. And, you know, you said, you said um, 
this power of putting it in other people's hands and how we have to educate. And we are, I am so uh, proud of American education. I hail from many generations of educators here in the United States. So I'm very proud of our American education. But I think we, we have become, um, not become, throughout, his, throughout our time, we have failed in giving people, giving our youth outlets at school. And there's, there's so many lines are blurred now that nobody really knows where to turn. And I want to bring yes. up you, speaking of like working with our youth in the community, whether it's through schools or it's through community groups or whether it's through the local church or the YMCA, whatever it is, you right. work with a group out of Idaho called yeah. Optum, an insurance company, and they're doing some pretty amazing things. Oh, I think it's it, one of the reasons incredible. you signed up with, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, it was so funny because I think... I don't know if you reached out or they reached, I think they reached out to us, you know, Mm -hmm. to have me do something. Right. And I was so excited because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an Idaho girl. I grew up here. My mother is a native Idahoan. So I was super excited to help my little, you know, my little state. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a very poor state. There's a lot of wealthy people here, but there's a, you know, there, the, the, the differentiation the disparity is so huge there's a lot of poor people that can't you know they don't have the insurance but optum is really put on the forefront how can we help these that these unfortunate you know people that are unfortunate and they've really focused on behavioral health which i think is so incredibly important they realize the importance of doing that especially now since you know covid and and the pandemic was mm-hmm. such a it it it, it ruined a lot a lot of kids lives are still not the same they haven't come back you know and, and you know this very well i went to shippensburg virginia and spoke yes. at a college now it yep. was set up prior to the pandemic but then after the pandemic kids were too scared to come in person they right. I, I mean i think probably it's better now but it was still this spring and they were even they were living on campus but going w- doing all their classes online still right there's still this yep. fear you know and 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 that's just well first of all it's just horrifying i just want to see kids getting out there and being and building their immune system and doing all kinds of things you know, that's a whole other, other conversation, but it, it, it's very sad. And Optum here in Idaho is really taking it on. They really, um, what I love is that they've really taken it on as a, as a lifestyle thing. So that, so I've d- I do PSAs for them. I do one for each season and we address eating the right food, eating good, real food, yes. uh, addressing, you know, getting exercise getting sunshine, you know, simple things that sound like, it's like when we talked about the seven doctors. Yeah. The reason why I, I, I talk about that again is because I believe that the head is not separate from the body. It's all intertwined. Our, uh, our relationship to the brain has everything to do with what we're doing in the body. And Mm -hmm. that's part of the education too. And, and nobody is teaching our kids how to live life. You know, they're all, you know, they're all technical as all get out and can make a video that'll knock your socks off and, and make you laugh or whatever. But nobody's telling them like when, you know, and we all go through it when, when 
the days get colder in the fall and it gets darker. What What's happening? They don't know what's happening. We do. We've had many seasons that we've gone through, but they don't know. There's no knowledge of like what to do. And it feels as though because of their hormones and all that stuff, that it's so big, right? So exactly how do right. you, and, and, and how do you, you know, how do you address that? How do you address that with it, with humans who are becoming adults, but they're not really adults yet. And, and, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. It's a kind of, a, it's, a, you know, it's it makes me think of, remember when I, um, you and I had spoken one time about in, at the LA Unified School District, the kids went on strike. We had talked about this, I think, in one of our yes. first podcasts. And the kids went on strike, and and they really were requesting, demanding help. They wanted counselors to talk to them. And when they were questioned, "What is it that you're looking for?" they said, "Somebody to listen." Yes. I mean, it's you talk about simplicity. Yes. We we complicate things. These kids just wanted someone to listen to them. And my son's in school at the University of Boulder, as you know, and he just wrote a paper yesterday or two days ago for one of his classes on the social effects of COVID. He graduated yeah. high school during COVID. And so people said, I remember, oh, I remember so well, it was heartbreaking. He missed out on, yeah. They missed out on everything. And he wasn't lamenting or crying in his soup over missing out on prom. That's not who he is, but he was saying what a shift this has been because now everyone was at home when they always look forward to going to school and seeing their buddies as they're walking in and yelling at each other across campus they were now all relegated to their home on their bed or at their yeah. desk on their computers. And so he wrote about it in one of his classes and the social, the social ramifications as well as the personal effect. And they, the, you know, I thought, isn't this amazing? Um, we talk about present day events that will be spoken about throughout history for time, years to come for centuries to Absolutely. come and, and the effect that it has on us. We still don't know all of the effects that the shutdown had on the mental psyche, on the psyche of our youth, um, even as, yeah. as even as young as kindergartners. We do know we've heard stories about how ch kindergartners are like puppies, like your little puppy, and they need to socialize. We all do, yeah. but in particular, these little bitty ones, they Absolutely. flourish under socialization. So what was happening to the babies when they're looking on a little screen, right? But right. I think that, I think the most important thing, and I, you've done so much work that I think is worth us sharing with the audience about really speaking to groups of kids who have been affected by whether it's um, drug abuse, the, their own or those they love, or it's through um, suicide ideation, they're those, their own or those of their friends who have died by suicide. You've spoken with them and talked about how this, the ripple effect and that many of them, I remember you telling me one time you spoke to a group of kids who had zero idea had zero idea that their friend was, was even contemplating or was even on the verge of suicide because he death by suicide was never something he'd spoken about and never, he was always no. happy to go lucky guy. You had spoken. Yeah. So, so the, the and the, his the, family was so shocked and it wasn't like none of the family were at it. I mean, it was, it was really a shocker. And that's what's, that's what's daunting and frightening about this mental health crisis. And it really yeah. is a crisis because when, and I was doing something for, for time, time magazine at the time. And we were kind of cr trying to create a show anyway, it was during the p pandemic, of course, and, and, and things got shut down for, for all those reasons. But what was interesting was the interviews with some of the kids that were like, just talking about their bodies 
and how horrible they felt being bullied, um, feeling isolated, uh, the pressures of work of, you know, when you're, you've got scholastic pressure, when you've, you as a student or get, you know, you've got a heavy mm-hmm. workload and you can't yep. handle it and you don't know how to address it. And you've got parents who are, you know, relying on you to get your work done and whatever. And that pressure becomes very huge. And there's a lot of times when suicide is happening, suicide ideation and actual take somebody might take their life who looks the perfect kid, right? Right. Great athlete, great student, this and that, you know, popular, got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whatever. But they don't realize that the anxiety level, which they're not speaking about, is so tremendous inside of them. And, you know, like, I, I just... I want to do something for these kids. I want them to know that there's something out there, right? Mm-hmm. There's something out there. There's a way to reach out completely. You know, there are there are some, uh, you know, uh, hotlines and stuff that are wonderful. Like in LA, they have a wonderful hotline where kids speak to the kids, right? They've been trained yeah. and they've gone through their own issues and so they speak to the kids and kids, Important. you know, they open up and it's true. They just want to be heard. Nobody's be heard. listening. And that was the thing about his holiness. Like I, there I was in, in, you know, a middle-aged woman or whatever. And he, and he was listening. It's so powerful. My grandfather talks about listening. He talked about listening back in the forties, right? He said, you know, most people don't listen. Most people don't know how everybody's planning their next thought and as parents, and it's not even, you know, it's not a mean thing, but as parents, you want to give solutions. You're like, I want to fix instead of just sitting back and not giving a solution and just being there to be a sounding board, how powerful that can be for anybody, but especially a kid just to be heard. You're listening to me. Oh my God, I matter. I matter to somebody and I can be heard. And it can be that simple. That can be the turning point that will enable them to get a little bit of help because they were able to tell a bit of their story or their anxiety about it. But if it's left inside, that anxiety becomes so big that they honestly believe, okay, I can't I can't take this anymore. I want out. And that you gotta is- start. That, that's just not okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to no. cut you off, Meryl. Oh, no, please. We've got to start by teaching our kids that it's okay to fail. Yeah. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fail. It's not the end of the world. And what happens is we put so many, um, so much pressure on the trophies and the, and this is not me. This is not me making some political comment. This is just that we're not letting our kids know that, okay, it, yeah, it stings. It hurts a little bit when something doesn't go your way, but we keep moving because a lot the a lot of that anxiety um, is coming from, remember another thing that was recently said by Chase is, you know, depression comes from unmet expectations. And a yes. lot of anxiety comes from the fear of not meeting expectations, I believe, to, yes. to kind of piggyback on Chase, is that I, these, these, if I don't get into the school of my choice, if I don't make that SAT grade, if I don't get accepted by this guy or this gal, this person I'm interested in, whatever that pressure is, 
the failure is feels so much more monumental. Now it has for years. Yeah, my, it has. my dad talked to me about not not getting uh not getting a yes from a girl and he asked her on a date and how he was devastated. But I said, what did what did my grandparents say? What did your parents say when you didn't get what you wanted? Pick yourself up. You can do it. Pick yourself up. You've got this. Keep moving. When now it's it's there's a bit of a oh you know let me let me see who I need to talk to. I'm gonna go talk to the teacher. Yeah. What do you mean you didn't make the team? Yeah. Let me go. Let me yeah. go fight on your behalf. Let me show you. And what I've been reading about that, what that does, we think as parents that we're protecting our babies by fighting for them. Listen, I'm the first one to pick up a a, a bat with nails in it and take anyone to the head who's gonna come after my kids. I'm ferocious. <laughs> I, I know you will. <laughs> But I mean, I, I've also had to know when to pull back and let my kids, because if I jumped in every time, I'm secretly telling them that they're not capable of taking care of themselves and therefore they, well, and also they don't learn, they don't learn the tools. I mean, they don't, How? and that's, that is failing upward. That's also learning how to, how to be social, how to work out your issues. I mean, how often do you hear of, you know, please, please don't tell my parents because they don't want it to become a thing all the time um yeah and then there's that fine balance if somebody's being bullied like where do you draw that like like where can where do you need to step in it's a very it's a delicate thing but we have gotten so that we placate so much that i think that that's why they're in this place where they can't take any kind of failure as they get older and they're no longer being babied all the time or, or their hands being held. It's true. Cause I think, you know, and maybe this is super unpopular. I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to just say it, but like not a, a, giving everybody a, a trophy on the, you know, on the soccer field, even if you like, I'm sorry, then where's the competition? I, I think no, the competition, the guy, the guy who gets you, the 12th place trophy when he comes home. Yeah, I mean, I it's a little, it reminds me. I went to <laughs> I went to ski camp when I was like uh, I was like eleven, and I went to ski camp in Grand Targhee, uh, Wyoming, which is really close to Idaho. And it was ski camp, and it was like in the summer. We were all wearing bathing suits. It was in June. It was bizarre, but anyway. And I was racing, and I was the only girl at the at this camp. This ski camp. I'm eleven years old. So I won all the things, but the truth was, I felt kind of stupid because what did I win? I was the only one in the flipping game. So I got all these trophies, number one. (laughs) Anyway, I don't think that taught me anything, but anyway, it was fun, but I'm number one. But I do (laughs) think that we need to, I think we got to get back to some old values of like, you know, like just competition is is good for for building character and it doesn't mean you're a loser if you lose it just means hey you didn't win and that's okay didn't win this time, yeah. it's not putting pressure on them and saying oh my god or shame shaming them because they didn't you know perform it's just this we've gotten so that we're so extreme on the other side that they, that that's why i think these kids come, come up against traumatic situations that yep. they cannot handle Right, exactly. because they never had to handle them when they were little. Right, they never did. It's too much. They, they're not. They don't have the tools. Too there's too much coming at them. There's too much information. There's too much. It's constant. It's just a constant flood of 
opinions and ideas coming, whether it's on TikTok or Snapchat or wherever, wherever they are, they're kind of veering away from some of the platforms that the adults are using now. They've got their own. But it's, it's constant and it's coming at them in, in nanoseconds. So they, yeah. they, can't, they can't process it. And then they don't have the tools to process if they could. So it's, I think that, you know, I'm, I'll be excited. You and I are going to be bringing people on who can really address this, the, the yeah. needs of our youth. Um, and, you know, what we have to do to prepare, prepare them, because they will be taking care of planet Earth and all of us in the years to come. And we need to have, we need to help them and prepare them for that. So look forward, you've got a lot of connections in the industry of mental wellness and well-being and we'll be able to bring on some of these connections soon. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, Optum was, I mean, God bless them, this little state, that they just decided they were going to take this on because not everybody is doing it. I mean, that's right. you know, people are talking about mental health. There's no more issue about like, oh, you know, we need to talk about it. People are talking about it and people know it's an issue. Mm -hmm. It's just about mm -hmm. finding those solutions and also Again, and I'm going to drive this home because I always believe that it's important when I talk about the seven doctors, lifestyle and yes. teaching kids that lifestyle is important. You know, what happened to what happened to uh, uh, going to P.E.? I guess that's not even in school anymore. When we went to school, know. we went to P.E. I mean, I, I love there's this. There's this Instagram that I follow. It's like, if you grew up in the 70s and 80s, right? And they were like, they were showing the, the rope climb, right? You know, and mm -hmm. a lot of people are on there for fitness, but our kids are missing a whole piece of that childhood thing that was, it was kind of a pain, but it was great. You remember? It was, I, and listen. I think that, that the, the meme is like, Remember when you used to climb the rope for the president, you know, cause you, you were led yeah. to believe that the president yeah. knew if you yeah. won uh, on every, you know, in every elementary yeah. school in America, they were getting, he was like, he was giving yeah. you the thumbs up. Well, <laughs> I blame the deterioration of PE on my fifth grade teacher, my fifth grade PE teacher, <laughs> whose name shall, she who shall remain nameless, who used to come to PE class with her coffee cup in fifth grade that said life sucks oh, and wow. stand before us with her cigarette breath and say, Oh gee, your kid's going to run today or what? <laughs> I think she killed PE. I think she killed it. So the whole America just said, that's it. Wrap it up. It. No more, <laughs> no more PE for that. Nope. Those people that's anymore. It. That's hilarious. That's... <laughs> it's hilarious, but uh, we have to get back to, we have to get back to the lifestyle stuff. We got to teach our kids that like, you know, going outside and playing and, and being imaginative because, yep. you know, a, as great as TikTok and all these things are, and you can make funny videos, going outside in nature as a kid is super important to, for the development of your imagination, your ability, oh, yeah. also your ability to be alone. That's important. Kids don't know how to engage by themselves. That's right. You know, and I remember when my girls were growing up and they were kind of just at the precipice of all this happening. Uh, but I remember there was a day when that, when, you know, they came to me and were like, we don't have any play dates. I was like, what? I said, just get outside. Stop it. <laughs> it was so mean. Stop it. Because I was like, you know, I was like that, that parent that was like, oh, I used to go to, 
you know, school in the snow, you know, barefoot or something. But, you know, I lied. But um, well, our kids you know. moving, movement is a big thing and moving the body. Yes. And you're right. Moving, oh. moving, keeping it moving, keeping those big muscles in action. Well, and if they're eating a ton of sugar or, or processed foods and that is not good for them and sitting down and not moving, what is that doing to the psyche? What is that doing to your hormone levels? What is that doing right. to you? except creating, you know, childhood obesity, which is insane. But also nobody's kind of relating that to their mental health problems, right? right? If you're eating that way, you're not going to be balanced. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be depressed. I mean, all of these, so they all always work together. Yep. You know, absolutely. And that's, that's the seven doctors at play. That's the mind, body, spirit connection that we talk about on every podcast. And one size does not fit all. So we will be bringing people on to introduce parents and kids alike to options. And that's, that's going to be a really, they're all important. Every podcast we do, dare I say, is wildly important, (laughs) Uh, but it is, it's really, it's vital that we really allow people to see options for their kids. Absolutely. Well, this was great. It was a wonderful conversation. I love that we talk every morning and that we always are like, how can we figure this out? So thank you for yes, thank you. You know, having a conversation with me today. And, and we I appreciate have a trophy you. here for you somewhere if you just give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and thank you everyone for tuning in uh, this week. We we uh, we're excited always and we're going to have a wonderful guest next week and we are grateful to you and keep the conversation going and keep looking to towards your seven doctors which are available to you and towards making your life healthier happier and more balanced thank you thank you Thank you so much for joining us today on Outcomes the Sun. Uh, You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, on Apple, and on YouTube. And you can donate to the Mariel Hemingway Foundation at themarielhemingwayfoundation.org. And I want to spell Hemingway for you, H-E-M-I-N-G-W-A-Y.org. I only say that because a lot of people put two M's. And that just won't work. Um, also on, if you're watching on YouTube, you can go to the donate button at the bottom and it will take you right to a link with a QR code. And, uh, if you go to marielhemingway.org, you can also press the donate button and be able to donate to the foundation, which is designed to help guide people towards finding the right solutions for their mental health issues. Um, that is my goal. I'm just trying to raise money so I can come up with an app and a website that has all the information you could possibly want to know about mental health and where to go. But we are in the process of making that happen and your donation means so much to us. So thank you so much and we'll see you next week.